thank the Lord this morning. Reach for your Bibles, please, if you don't mind. I want you to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 1, please. And over the course of these next three weeks, this Sunday, next Sunday, the 20th, and by the way, next Sunday, Pastor Lindell and Kid City, our children's ministry, is going to be presenting a program. And uh, I'm going to take a few minutes next Sunday. I'm going to preach to you again. Uh, I was talking to my children about December and preaching, and I was going to preach every Sunday in December, Brother Turpin. And my oldest looked at me and said, you're just a pulpit hog. And uh, call it what you will, hog or not, I'm going to preach. Preach the gospel, amen. So the next few Sundays, I want to talk about uh, the Christ of Christmas. And uh, today, I want to take you to Matthew chapter 1. Let me just, uh, again, brag on Pastor Tony and this choir, musicians, folks in the back, sound people, uh, Brandon Hewitt, our lighting uh, guy back there, Joe Cox, and then my boy Jensen was back there on the PowerPoint running the lyrics. They've all done just an amazing job, and I appreciate what they've done. Matthew chapter 1, let's go ahead. Matthew chapter 1, I'll read verses 18 through uh, 25. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow along on the screen behind me. I, I, don't, I don't want to inconvenience you, uh, but if you don't mind, could we stand this morning as we read the Word of God? I don't, I don't want to inconvenience you or make you uncomfortable. If you can't stand, I understand. But the Word of the Lord is holy today. Come on, bless the Lord. And I think we ought to stand as we read it. Here's what the Bible says. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Verse 20, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Verse 24, then Joseph being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Somebody say Jesus again. I want to begin this series, The Christ of Christmas. I want to talk this morning on this thought. What about the baby? What about the baby? Father, bless the reading of your word today. God bless these few moments that I am going to spend proclaiming and preaching and telling the good news to these people. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart to receive today the Word of God. And may we be forever changed and transformed by it. In Jesus' name, the church said amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. Pastor Tony, thank you. <clears throat> Story is told 
of a young mother who was hurriedly making her way through a very busy and crowded mall. As they hurriedly rushed through the throngs of people and made their way toward the exit to get into their car and to go home, this mother with her little boy in tow came upon a live nativity scene that was in that mall. As they passed by it, the little boy was just awestruck. Brother Turpin, he was just taken aback by what he was seeing. And as they made their way through the mall, the little boy began to ask his mother a barrage of questions about that nativity scene and the pieces and the parts of that nativity scene and the people. And the mother, not, not wanting to lose any time, just kind of brushed his questions off, answered them very quickly, and continued making her way through the overcrowded and busy mall. Finally, the little boy became so exasperated by his mother's uh, ignoring his questions that he began to tug on her leg and he elevated his voice and he said to her, but mama, what about the baby? Tell me about the baby. And for the first time that day, that mother knelt down, looked into the eyes of that little boy, and she told him the story of that little baby named Jesus. Lying so neatly in that manger in the middle of that nativity scene. And that question that that little boy asked his mother that day is a very pertinent question that we need to ask ourselves, not, not just today, but every single day of the year. What about the baby? What will we do with the baby? What about that baby lying in that manger? in that nativity scene. You know, I, the nativity scene is quite possibly the most familiar scene uh, of Christmas time. You can go just about anywhere and find a nativity scene. They're displayed in homes, they're displayed in churchyards. You even, you even have some churches that, that will do a live nativity scene. And the nativity scene dates all the way back to the early 18th century when a group of people wanted to display some artwork based upon a scene that they had viewed. And there is no doubt this morning that we could spend quite a bit of time talking about the nativity scene and all of the pieces and the parts and the people, and what they portray, and the message that they announce to us. But I kind of feel, feel like that little boy that day. I don't want to talk 
about all the other parts and pieces and people of the nativity scene, though they are great in their own right. There's something in me that wants to ask that question, what about the baby? Let's talk about the central figure of that nativity scene. I, I don't believe that it's any accident that when you look at any nativity scene, where is the baby Jesus positioned? Right in the middle. Because he was the central figure of the nativity scene and he remains the central figure of our life today. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, born of a virgin, conceived of the Holy Spirit. What about the baby? What will we do with the baby? Because down through the years and down through the ages, choir, a lot of people have done a lot of different things with the baby. Mary carried him. Angels sang about him. Shepherds were serenaded by those angels who sang about him. Joseph worried about him. Aunt B, wise men, worshipped him. Herod hated him. Simeon cradled him. Anna prophesied about him. But here's a question I want to ask you this morning for the next few moments. What about the baby? What will you do with the baby this Christmas season? And before I take one more step in this message, you have to know that he did not stay a baby. I mean, if, if it just ends at the manger... And, and, and Christianity stops at a manger with a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes looking so cute and so neat and so tiny and so wonderful. If it all stops there, what a tragedy that would be. But here's what you need to know. The baby grew up. The baby left the manger. The baby walked about doing good and healing all manner of sickness and disease for God was with him. The baby grew into a man and though he was human in nature and he was, he was God in the flesh, he was still divine and he was still holy and he was still perfect. And that baby walked on this earth and he performed miracles. He opened blinded eyes. He unstopped deaf ears. He straightened out crooked limbs. He even stopped by, a, by a, a grave one day that contained the body of a man named Lazarus who'd been dead for four days. And that little baby who at that point was a grown-up man, the son of God, called Lazarus out of a tomb after laying there for four days. And the Bible said that Lazarus came out bound hand and foot. And that little baby said, loose him and let him go. What you have to understand is even though he's a cute 
little baby, snugly wrapped, wrapped so snugly in that manger. There is so much more to him as he walked this earth. And then after 33 years, Brother Gene Turpin, he died a sinner's death. And I've said this quite often the last few weeks as Roman soldiers stretched him wide and they hung him high. And what started out as a baby in a manger, we now have a picture of a suffering Savior on a cross whose bearded face has been plucked out, a crown of thorns on his head, a sword that has been run through his side and Roman spikes nailed in his hands and in his feet. What started out as a cute little baby we now have a bloody torn Savior who is taken off of a cross and placed into a borrowed tomb who lays there for three long days. But on that third day, we read that resurrection power invaded that tomb and Jesus Christ got up victorious over death, over hell, and over the grave. And the Bible teaches us that for 40 days, he walked this earth and he sowed himself alive by many infallible proofs the Bible said and then eventually he was taken up into heaven and the Bible teaches us that today he sits at the right hand of the Father of God the Father and he's ever living to pray and intercede for us but I want you to know that the story does not stop there. The baby grew up. The baby died and suffered a horrible death. The baby ascended back to the right hand of the Father but I want some to know today the good news is that Jesus Christ is coming back again one day and he's going to take us to live with him and we will rule and we will reign for eternity. I'm glad he didn't stay a baby, but the baby grew up and he rules and he reigns today. And if you're glad about that, come on somebody and give the Lord praise. And as we consider the baby and the little boy who asked his mother that question, what about the baby? You know, we talk so much during this time of the year about giving. We teach our children and we preach from pulpits and we tell one another it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. We will tell our children, don't, don't worry about the gifts that you get. Because it's not about getting, it's about giving. Well, I believe this morning for just a few moments, we need to focus not on giving, but on receiving. Because you do understand that Jesus was God's gift to all of mankind. And while I understand it is the season of giving, we cannot, can I come down here and preach? Thank you. We cannot overlook the fact that something was given to us. It was indeed a gift. Everybody say a gift. Jesus was God's gift to mankind. And let me just tell you real quickly about that gift. Are you ready? because I've got at least 15 minutes because it's only 10 till 12 and i got to hold you here so the food will be ready. Well, we picked a good day for this, didn't we? Let me tell you number one. It's the perfect gift. 
If you ever receive the gift of Jesus Christ, you'll never have to want for anything else. Have you ever received a gift from someone and they give it to you and you open it up and you're just like, what am I going to do with this? Anybody? And usually it's from like an extended family member. It's that aunt or that uncle, you know, and they don't have any idea what to buy and they won't ask. So they get you something totally useless. And then to beat it all, they don't give you receipts, so you're stuck with it. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking about a few things I've received over the years. Anybody ever had that before? And some of you are not even telling the truth. <laughs> because that person that gave it to you is sitting beside you and you're afraid. <laughs> I mean, if they're going to give you something stupid... That was not a very good, very diplomatic word, was it? If they're going to give you something useless, at least give me the receipt so I can get uh, my money back or a gift card. Or, and then you don't even know where you got it from. <laughs> and you're afraid to ask because then you know, well, they're going to be thinking, I don't like, you don't like my gift. You're right, I don't like your gift. <laughs> I mean, I don't want the ugly sweater. And you probably got it from Belk and paid 50 bucks for it. Give me the money. <laughs> Show me the money, Brother Turpin, right? But I'm telling you, when you receive the gift of Jesus, listen, you'll never want to take it back. You don't want a gift receipt. You don't need a gift card because everything you could ever hope or imagine or dream of or want, it is all found in the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is not a greater gift that you could ever receive than Jesus. As a matter of fact, Paul said this in Ephesians 2 and 8, for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift. It's a perfect gift. And if you have never received Jesus, you have no idea what you're missing out on today. Anything you could ever want is found in him. Here's the second thing about that gift. Brandon, can I have just a snitch more monitor, please, sir, if you don't mind? Thank you. It's a costly gift. Now listen, the gift won't cost you a dime. Many of you, how many of you have already been out and, and started your shopping for Christmas? I, I don't mean to be difficult, Mr. Salmon. Not that much. Just turn me down to snitch. I'm sorry. Salmon hate me when I go places. You've already started your shopping. You're just trying, and you've, you've probably, listen, you know what folks will do during the holidays. They'll run up massive debt to find the perfect gift. I mean, and, and studies will prove and show that credit card debt goes through the roof during the Christmas season. But I want to tell you, this gift, it won't cost you anything. It won't cost you nothing. But it costs somebody everything. It cost Jesus Christ his life, literally. Because long after the baby left the manger, he went to a cross and he died. Listen, he didn't really have to. He chose to. Somebody say amen now and help me. He didn't have to, he chose to. And at any moment hanging on that cross, he could have just uttered one command. 
And angel after angel would have come and rescued him. It's not that he had to. He wanted to because he loved you and I. John 15 and 13, Jesus said, Greater love has no man than this, but that he lay down his life for his friends. I love Romans 5 and 8 where Paul said that God demonstrated his love toward us and while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Do you understand that while you were still lost in your sin and while you were still doing everything that is contrary to what God wants you to do and you were still living a life that is, that is so far removed from the plan of God that Jesus hung on a cross, died a horrible death knowing that you would turn your back on him and reject him. If that's not love, I don't know what is. And while you're trying to find the best gift this year and you're trying to put down money and do all that you can to find that perfect gift, I want you to remember the gift of Jesus Christ. It cost him everything, but it cost you nothing. Number three, it is the gift that keeps on giving. It is the gift that just keeps on giving. Because listen, it, did, it came, the gift came in the form of a baby in a manger. But now that gift offers hope, Brother Daryl, all year long. Because here's the truth. You're going to get up on the 25th, and you're going to unwrap a bunch of stuff. You're going to put it under the tree. If you live in my house, you're going to unwrap it. You're going to put it up somewhere because the clutter just wears me out. I can't take it. It's got to find a place. It's lovely. It's beautiful. Merry Christmas. Let's put it somewhere so it's nice and neat and tidy. I've got issues. I mean, I can't hardly open gifts on Christmas for the big trash bag I have, and as soon as it hits the floor, I'm scooping the wrapping paper up and putting it in the bag. I, listen, I'm troubled. I've got issues. Pray for your pastor. I mean, we've got it on video. And you can watch them for a small fee. I'll let you watch them. And by the 26th or 27th, pretty much... Unless it's a new car or a diamond ring, we're going to forget about what we got, probably. But not this gift. This is the gift that keeps on giving 365 days of the year. It just keeps on giving every single day of the year. Because there's some days you're going to need some joy, and the gift says, I've got joy for you. There may be another day you're going to need some peace, and the gift says, I've got peace that passes understanding. There'll be one day you'll need some wisdom and the gift will say, I've got wisdom. There'll be one day that you'll need to experience un unbelievable, unamazing love and the gift will say, Here, here's my love for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It's a gift that keeps on giving. Here's the next thing I want you to know. Is that the gift... In order for it to work, the gift has to be received. And the only thing required to receive the gift, Dr. Stewart, is just a receptive heart. Well, Pastor, I, I've got all kind of money. You can't buy this gift. I mean, really. I want to tell you that the, the greatest CPA in the world who can crunch numbers and, and figures... He couldn't come up with a price tag for this gift. You can't, you can't do anything about this gift as far as buying the gift. Paul said in Ephesians 2 and 9, I, I quoted verse 8 a minute ago, for by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Watch this, not of works, verse 9 says, not of works, 
Lest any man should boast. Well, Pastor, you don't know who my grandma is. I don't care who your grandma is. Well, you don't know. I'm, I'm third generation. Congratulations. Let me shake your hand. That's great. Listen, on my wife's side, our kids are one, two, fourth generation Church of God. Her grandfather, Leonard Moran, Church of God pastor, pastored for years in Virginia. That's one generation. Her dad's a second generation. She's third, and Jensen and JC on her side are fourth generation Church of God. But guess what? That won't get them anything. Well, pastor, I do a lot of good deeds. Great. Pastor, I, I give to the poor. Wonderful. Pastor, I've been baptized three times. Fantastic. Because here's the truth. You do know this. You can get baptized and still be a wet sinner when you come up, don't you? <clears throat> I, the truth will set you free today. And all your works and all the stuff you've done and what you think you can do to earn it, you can't do anything to earn the gift of God. But what do you do? What did Jesus say? Unless you come as a little helpless child. Unless you come to him as a little helpless baby. Listen, you cannot enter in or receive the kingdom of heaven. So, Pastor, what do I have to do? I mean, this, this thing, if I can't buy it and I can't earn it, there has to be a catch. It sounds way too good to be true. No. No. It's as easy as ABC. They say you ask, you believe, you confess. And there's a wonderful gift called Jesus that by asking you can receive. That by believing you can receive. That by confessing your sins that you're lost and you're undone and you need God in your life. It's that simple. Pastor Tony, come to the keyboard, please, sir, would you? And listen, down through the years, people have made it way too complex. And they have rejected the gift. Some have even received the gift and thought they would like to return the gift and get something else. I'm telling you, if you reject the gift, you're rejecting life. Because here's the truth. Let me give you a simple gospel message. That this life you're living right now is temporary. You're going to die one day if Jesus doesn't return first. You know that? You're going to die. Pastor, I'm, I'm healthy as a horse. But even, listen, you realize that right now, you're sitting in your pew. You're decaying right now. That's what the Bible says. And I've used this analogy before, and it's old. I'm going to use it again. Some of you hadn't heard it because you're here. You're just here maybe for the first time today to come hear some music. And you're thinking when you get home, I'm, you're going to say, now, if I'd known he was preaching, I wouldn't have come. Why didn't you tell me? And you're, you're going to die one day. And they're going to put you in a box called a coffin. They're going to roll you down an aisle. They're going to put you in the front of a church like this. And there's going to be a podium up here. And some preacher is going to get up behind the pulpit. And they're going to say a bunch of nice, hopefully say a bunch of nice things about you. And when they're done, they're going to wheel you out. They're going to put you in a hearse. They're going to take you to a graveyard. They're going to bury you six feet under the ground, literally. And in the church of God, you know what we do? We're going to come back to the church. We're going to find a fellowship hall somewhere and eat chicken and potato salad in your honor. Pastor Fox, is that right? Is that about the truth? <clears throat> I've never understood that. I mean, we're, people are grieving. We're back in. We're just we're going to eat. Brother Turbo wants pizza when he dies. It won't matter. You'll be dead. 
And here's what people will say. Well, once that happens, that's the end. That's not the end. Let me just tell you, you're not coming back as a unicorn or a dog or anything else. It's not happening. I'm going to tell you in all seriousness what the Bible says. When you close your eyes in death on this side, there's one of two places you end up for eternity. If you've known Christ, you know what Paul said? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. If you die and you've received the gift, you're with Him forever. And if you die without the gift, now I told you, I preach on the holiday just like I preach every other Sunday. So I'm not, gonna, I'm not worried about being seeker-sensitive. Pastor, you're going to offend somebody if you say this and preach this. I'd, I would rather offend you than not obey God and preach the truth of the Word and have to not be able to sleep tonight. So here's the truth. If you die without the gift, there's no holding place you go to. There's, there, there's no place that you go where you get a second chance to find Christ. That doesn't work that way. If you die without the gift, you slip into eternity without God in a place called hell forever. Oh, I know that's uncomfortable. I know we don't hear a lot of preachers talk about it. I know it makes some of you really uneasy and you're thinking, no, Pastor, we can't really say that. We want these people to come back. I want these people to find Christ and make it to heaven more than I want them just to attend a church and do a religious duty. <laughs> Don't reject the gift today. Will you stand with me? We're going to pray. Stand with me. If you can hang tight just for a minute, I want you to do that. Now listen, look right here. Don't, 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 don't lose eye contact. Your eyes, the window to your soul. I want to see your face. Listen to me. Do you realize that our world is absolutely in chaos right now? Do you realize that if you stop long enough and think about it, probably like me, it's a little scary. I mean, who would ever, who ever, who would have thought that the day would come that you'd have to tuck your children in and talk about some of the things we talk about? I mean, terrorists are in our country. It's scary. The things we've watched unfold in the news the last several weeks, that's just the beginning, I believe. Well, Pastor, are we supposed to be afraid? No. I laid down the other night. It was late. I'll tell you what, Brother Trevor, I thought about this world, and here's what came to my mind. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ the solid rock, I stand all over the ground to sinking sand. You know why I have such confidence? You know why fear doesn't last very long when I think about it? Because I received the gift a long time ago. Well, Pastor, listen. And we're getting ready to pray. Pastor, once I've received the gift, I received the gift as a four or five-year-old child, so I'm eternally secure forever. No, you're not. But Pastor, once I receive him, there's no way that I could ever do anything to make him not love me. That's true. You can never do anything for him not to love you. But just because you've received Christ does not give you the license or law to go out and live however you want to live and disregard the word of God. You can walk away from God and backslide. I just want you to know that. And there's some of you today, you received the gift a long time ago, but for some reason you've turned your back on him. You've walked away from the gift. And you have found yourself to be void and empty and hopeless today. Jesus, the gift, offers hope in a desperate world. And if we've ever lived in a time that we need hope, we need it right now. 
And I'm telling you, listen, does the gift guarantee that you're not going to have difficulties and trials and tribulations? Not at all. But here's what he said in John 16, 33. And this where you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Guess what? I've read the back of the book more times than I can count. And why it looks bad right now, here's what I know, Pastor Tony. In the end, we win. I, I, I win. You know why I win? Because I, I received the gift. Let me say something here. Now, Pastor, what are we going to do if the world continues going this way? I'm not worried about it. Pastor, what if our current president declares martial law and goes back into office? I don't know. I'm not being a political preacher. I'm just telling you the truth. Pastor, what, what, what are we going to do? I don't know. But in the end, I'm winning. My, my life is not based on who sits in an office in a White House. My life is not, de is not dependent upon what the economy does or does not do. I don't have to worry about that stuff. I received the gift. And listen, if I, if somebody were to break into my house tonight and open up fire on me and take my life, don't worry about me. I've won. Now, I don't have any plans on dying. But I'm just going to tell you, if that happens, don't, don't, oh my gosh, we lost our battle. What are we going to do? Don't worry about it. I won. You know why? Because I received the gift as a young child. And I know in whom I have believed. <laughs> and I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. If you can say with the Apostle Paul, I have fought a good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, but not only to me, but to all who love his appearing. Sean, I got a crown waiting on me, buddy. You got a crown waiting on you. There's a lot of you in here, you've got a crown waiting. You know why? Because you received the gift. Here's my concern. There's people here today you've not received the gift. I don't want you to leave this auditorium today without receiving the gift. Bow your heads, please, and close your eyes just for a moment if you don't mind.